God designed this on purpose. Uh, it, it wasn't just kind of, uh, eh, we'll just create, or, you know, God didn't just say, I'll just do that, and I'll just, yeah, we'll, we'll set that up. It's interesting how the, when you study God's word and you study and you know about people, and then you learn about God, uh, it's, it's all these things that God has done, whether it's how he's created us, uh, what he's done for us, his interaction with his creation, all serves the purpose of pointing to his son, specifically who his son is and what his son has done for us. Uh, I think about, and I'm going off on a tangent here, it's not exactly what I prepared to start off with, but just little things that have happened through the service and, um, and just things that have happened throughout the week. I mean, I, I loved before, I loved, you know, my parents, my, my family, my friends, I, uh, uh, my wife, and when I, the moment that I first saw Cade, when he was born, there's something, and those of you who are parents can probably say the same thing, there, something hit me when I saw this little face, and it was in that moment that I knew that no matter what he did, I'd walk through fire for him. And, and that's simple, small, minor, human father loving a human son. We have no idea the depths that the Heavenly Father has for me and for you. So much. And see, it's difficult because, you know, I was very fortunate. I had a loving earthly father, but not everyone does. And so sometimes it's hard when you read about that God is your father. It can sometimes bring all these emotions of great, you know, he's my father. But see, God, the father, runs past even our worst understandings of what a father is and our best understandings of what a father is. He even outruns all of that. Because not only is he our heavenly father, but he's our creator. Can you imagine that our creator, the Bible says he delights in us. And that blows me away because if I was God, I would not delight in me. I just wouldn't. I, I am unfaithful to him all the time. And there was moments when I think I'm being faithful. I find myself quickly not being, fa uh, not being faithful right after it. I'm up, I'm down, I'm all over the place. I'm so wishy-washy. One day I love God, the next day I'm like, what are you doing? Like I'm questioning his ability to have this all under control. Uh, uh, there's no sweat on his upper lip. He's not worried about how things are going to pan out. He, he is worried, and he is concerned, and he does want us to, to be okay. And, the, and like Ms. Roy was saying, he's concerned about the little things that we might think are little things, but to God, they're big things because they involve his beloved. And so, in a little, God designed us to feel that way about our children in one way because he uses it to communicate how much he loves us. Because he's willing to give his son, his only son, for me and for you. And to a parent, that screams love. Because I'm sorry. I love my neighbor. I'm choosing Kate over everyone. I'm sorry. 
That's just, that's just the way it's got to be. If it's Cade or if it's my neighbor who's trying to do some harm, it's, it's the neighbor's bad day. All right? I'm not. And, and so and to know that God was willing to give his son for his enemy, for a sinner. While I was a sinner, Christ died for me. While you were a sinner, Christ died for you. And see, that's, that's a game changer because it's, it flips the script to what the world says, what we must do to be in the favor of God. The world tells us, here's what you need to do for God to love you. Christianity says, here's what God has done to tell you that he loves you. And that's a big difference. It's not us climbing up to get God. It's God climbing down onto a cross to get you and to get me. And that's different. God doesn't, through Christ, because, you know, God doesn't wink at sin. He doesn't, oh, that's okay. Oh, that was just a mistake. No, God's holy. God's holy. Sin is not. It is unholy. And, for, and God is about justice. God is about justice. And so what was the one way where God could be just and God could also be merciful and forgiving of sinners? Those two moments, God's justice and his forgiveness intersected on the cross. God's justice was poured out into his son. The sin of the whole world was placed into Christ's body. The Bible says that Jesus became sin, who knew no sin, all of it, all of the just wrath and punishment that was coming to me and coming to the world was placed into Jesus. Jesus quoted the psalmist when he was on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Why did God forsake Jesus on the cross? For me and for you. How much does God love you? Look at the cross. That's how much. And it is, it, it changes everything. It changes everything. In that moment of seeing Cade, that's when it was communicated to me that little amount that you love Cade. It was like as if God was saying, that's how much I love you. I gave up my son for you. Look through the Bible and you'll see patterns. Look at Abraham and Isaac. When God told Abraham to take his son, his only son, the promised son that he promised to Abraham and go and take him and offering as a sacrifice on the mountain. And Abraham believed God. Abraham believed that God told him that through his seed all the world would be blessed. And Abraham doesn't say, it just says that Abraham went and did it. And Isaac, when he's asking him, you know, I thought we were going to be, you know, doing a sacrifice. That's an, that's an awkward moment, you know, right there. You know, and Isaac's saying, you know, where's the, where's the, uh, the lamb? And, and his father's response is, the Lord will provide. And the Lord still provides to this day through his son, Jesus Christ. And just as that was a shadow of what was to come, and it's like it screamed out on when, when, when the angel reported to Abraham and said, because you were willing to give up your son, comma, your only son. It was like screaming what would happen all those years later on the cross where at this time the knife would fall, the hammer would ring, and there would be a sacrifice, and there would be a perfect sacrifice that would take the place of me and you. 
And then this morning, Knox, he's running around, and it's after, he, and he's all happy, and he stumbles and he falls in the back, and I'm watching him, and the first person he looks for when he gets up is me. And I look at him, and I give him a thumbs up, and he smiles and gives me a thumbs up and keeps running. And it's, and that's little, that's simple. But in that moment, see, because of Christ, God doesn't hate me when I fall. He doesn't hate you when you fall, when you make a mistake, when you sin, when you do that sin for the umpteenth time that you've been battling with. Because of Christ, in Christ, God looks at you and sees the blood of his son. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, because you're great. No, because Jesus is great. And that is who is being counted in your place in God's courtroom. And that is a game changer, too. God, God's not mad at you. That lie that's been put out there to the people who are in Christ, to the children of God, to tell them that God is mad at them is to say that that didn't work. And God forbid that. Because of Christ, he is well pleased with you. All based upon the person and work of Jesus Christ. It is that great exchange, that exchange that happened on the cross. My crown of thorns was placed on Christ's head. His crown of righteousness was placed on my head. And it's, it's, it, you, you, you read about it, and you, you, you hear about it, and you hear the gospel, and you think, but that's crazy because I've sinned. I'm a sinner. That's, that, that's, that's, it's a scandal. And it's as if God in the courtroom is saying, I'm the judge in this courtroom, and my rulings are final, and my judgment is true and just. You have been declared righteous by the basis of the blood of my son. You are reprieved. Your sentence has been carried out. Well done. Enter into the joy of your master and your creator. And that's, how, how do I get this? How do I receive it? Receive by faith. It's a gift. That's another thing, too. We think we have to, because in life, anything that's great, we have to build and work and do and do and do and in this moment when it comes to belief when it comes to the gospel when it comes to salvation it's all gift given freely who 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 applies all christ died for the sins of the whole world so that whoever believes in jesus will not perish but will have everlasting life that's a promise and God has a pattern because of who God is and because of his word. If God promises something, it's going to happen. It cannot not happen. If God says that you will be saved because of Jesus, you will be saved because of Jesus. But what if I, what if I, what if I, you will be saved because of Jesus. And the person says, the person who says, I won't be saved because of Jesus, I don't believe that. Never give up. Never give up in sharing the gospel. Never, never, never. Because the Bible says the gospel is the power of salvation, the power of God for all who to believe. And that the gospel explodes faith into the dead soul. That's God's pay grade. It is not my job and it is not your job to convict anyone of their sin. The Holy Spirit will do that and he's good at it. And it is not my job, and it's not your job, to, 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 to save anybody. 
That is the Holy Spirit's job to put that faith into that person. And he does it in his own specific way through the preaching of the gospel, through the hearing of the gospel, through the gifts that God has given to his children. And so we're continuing, and I'll make this quick. We're continuing this series that I've been working on basic. And it filled in with what I had in line today because it, it, it starts with the second article of the creed where it talks about Jesus and who he is and what he's done. And it's fascinating when you listen and you think it. So it's kind of a question and an answer kind of format. Um, and I know that it's helped me greatly, and I pray that it helps you as well. The second article of the creed says, And I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. What does this mean? It means I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. And see, that's something that kind of helps navigate through life as well, because there'll be a lot of, there'll be a lot of, other teachings out there and other religions and other faiths that will say that will they'll give they'll grant you that Jesus was a real person. I mean, he's only the most documented person ever in history. Uh, so, I mean, it's kind of to, to deny that is kind of silly because you might as well just deny Julius Caesar. You might as well deny all these other things. We kind of have a little bit of documentation on them. But uh, the New Testament is the number one by far most documented ancient record and document forever for all time. Uh, so uh, even those who aren't ready to accept who Jesus is, they'll at least say, okay, yes, Jesus was real. He did die. He did. And so those that, tell, that will tell you that, oh, okay, but yes, you all just worship the same God. It's like, well, no, because unless you worship that Jesus is God and he's God the Son, then we're not, we're not worshiping the same, the same God. Um, Jesus, who, was, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or with silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. The central thought of this part of the creed. Jesus once asked, who do people say that I am? He received many different answers. What do people today think of Jesus? Who or what do they say that he is? You know, great prophet, great guy, a teacher of all these wonderful things. And there are those of us who will say that Jesus is true God true man, born into this world, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, three days later rose from the grave, and then passed on this good news to the whole world. And see, that's, that's in an era during that time where you had this tribe over here and you have this tribe over here, because we don't have anything like that today. You know, this group over here, that group over here, and this, and this, and this. Yeah, we'll, you know, we'll be fine if that group has a Jesus. 
uh, you know, we'll be fine if they have a Jesus, but, you know, everybody, and see, Jesus, he comes, he says, everybody, every tribe, all tongues, all nations will be blessed because of Christ. What does it mean to confess that Jesus is Lord? Answer, it means to acknowledge that he rules, rules over all things as our creator and redeemer, and that Jesus is the Lord God himself in our human flesh. And I'll list out a list of verses that you can go to, but I won't list them all because it, it, the scripture interprets scripture. And if you read scripture and you go to the cross-references in the verse, it'll take you on a journey all up and around the whole Bible. It's really fun. Romans 10, 9 Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10 speaks of this. Colossians chapter 1, 16 through 20 speaks of this. Why do I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord? Answer, Jesus has given me eternal life and taken me under his eternal care and protection. Who is this Jesus that I confess as my Lord? Answer, he is the eternal son of God who entered human history, born as a man with a body and soul in fulfillment of God's Old Testament promises. Thus, he is both creator and creature, God and man in one person. What does it mean to confess that Jesus is true God? Answer, the Son is God in the very same sense that the Father is God. Namely, he existed from all eternity and together with the Father and the Spirit, created the entire universe and everything within it. That's something else that... <laughs> Jesus walking around and talking to people, and living in a world that he created. Uh, that blows my mind. I, I'm a deep thinker, so that blows my mind when I think about that. Here's the creator who created the human body and created everything all about it, and he, he was incarn incarnate in that body to come and to save and rescue all these people that are around him. What does it mean to confess that Jesus is True man. Excuse me. What does it mean to confess that Jesus is begotten of the Father from eternity? Answer. The Son has no beginning. He eternally receives life from the Father. What does it mean to confess that Jesus is true man? Answer. Jesus is human in the very same sense that we are human, except without sin. Because God created the first man, Adam, without sin, Jesus' sinlessness does not diminish his full humanity. What does it mean to confess that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit? Answer, Jesus was conceived in Mary's womb by the will and act of God apart from a human father. What can we say about Jesus as a result of the incarnation? The incarnation is Jesus taking on human flesh. The word uh, is God. The word took on human flesh. Answer, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, has become our brother in Jesus Christ. What does it mean for us as human creatures that the Son of God has become our brother? Answer, it means that God has become man, sharing our humanity in all things but sin. Jesus has a human ancestry. Jesus has a human body and soul. Jesus was a male. He was a man. Jesus has human needs and feelings. He was hungry. He wept. He was thirsty. He was tempted. Why is it so important for us as sinners that the Son of God has become our brother? Answer, as our brother, Jesus fulfilled our obligation to keep the law. Jesus suffered and died to pay the penalty of our sin. Jesus overcame death so that we too can be spared from death. 
Why is it so important for us that the man Jesus, our brother, is also the son of God who created the universe? Answer, because Jesus, our brother, is the son of God. He reveals God to us, for there is no other God than this God who took on our flesh. He has provided a sufficient ransom and atonement for the sins of the world by his death on the cross. He is always with us. He intercedes for us before the Father. He rules over creation and the church. He has the authority to judge and forgive. He is worthy of divine honor and glory. He loves us with an everlasting love. What two natures are united in the person of Jesus Christ? Answer, the divine and the human natures are united in Jesus Christ. This personal union began when he became man and continues forever. It was not a mere man who suffered and died, was buried, descended to hell, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and who was raised to God's majesty and almighty power for us. But it was, it was a man whose human nature was such a profound, indescribable union and communion with God's Son that it is one person with him. Will the men come forward, please? The team come forward, please. You see, I heard someone once say, if God was pleased with progress, he would have given us a goal. But because God is only pleased with perfection, he gave us a substitute. And that substitute, for me and for you, is Jesus Christ. Fully man. Fully God. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, the disciples were in despair, right? They were, didn't look like God's plan to them. You know, you know, if this is the Son of God who's come to make all things new, shouldn't he reign and shouldn't he rule and shouldn't he handle business here, make everything right now? And they see him dying on the cross, and they're, even though he told them that's what was going to happen, they were, remember Peter said, you know, far be it, Lord. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we think, oh, no, don't mess with God's plan. That can't be God's plan. And it usually looks like something very bleak, like maybe Jesus dying on a cross. But the most wonderful, amazing news was, is that was the plan before the foundation of the world was laid. That's how much God loves you. That he would die to have you. And he did die to have you. And so then three days later, Jesus comes up from the grave. He goes and appears to the disciples who went from freaking out and hiding to, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll go tell the whole world. <laughs> I mean, their friend just rose from the dead. What you got? I mean, you're going to kill me? Okay, I'll be with him. But you need to know. You need to know the good news. Jesus said all authority had been given to him. You just rose from the dead. Yep, I, yep, all authority is yours. And he calls you friend. He calls me friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. We invite you here this morning during this time to maybe this is new to you. 
Maybe it's the first time you're hearing that all these things that Jesus has done for you. Maybe right now you're realizing, wait, I believe this. I confess this. And I want to be a part of a church where you hear this on a weekly basis because I need to hear it. Especially when I go through my week and I'm like that. I'm thinking really bad things about my neighbor. I need to be here that Jesus still loves me, that the gospel is still for me, and that in him, all things are made new. So this is the time for you to come forward. We want to pray for you. We want to invite you. We want to just share with you on the goodness that is Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful word. Wonderful why, because it turns our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We give him all the praise and the glory this morning. I'm thankful for that day I came to the realization that I needed Jesus into my heart and life. And if you've never made that decision, why don't you make it this morning? We'd love to pray with you. There's one this morning and you would want us to pray with you, just raise your hand and allow us to do that. Maybe perhaps you made a decision a long time ago and you don't have that burning desire anymore and you feel like you're walking on the faith, on the fence. Why don't you come right now, just before we pray for the, the needs, the healing, why don't you just come forward right now? Just raise your hand. We're just going to pray with you. If you need Jesus in your heart and life, would love to pray with you this morning. What an honor. What an honor to be part of that. And that's what we all are. We're a part of it. So if never accepted Jesus, why don't you come forward now? We'll pray for you. Walking on the fence, praise the Lord. Maybe you'll have a delayed action on the way home. If you do, 